Hey everybody, since we are either starting a new series or reading a standalone book, I am jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal, and we are not reading any books that depict real people as their characters in any way or are based on historical events. Second rule is that we are judging everything off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, or the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come from personal experience, not professional training. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all listeners, so please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Hello, all you little listeners. My name is David, and I'll give you guys a plot synopsis on the lightning theme. Very proud of Percy Jackson is a 12-year-old demigod living and going to school in New York City. But on a field trip, misfortune befalls him, and for his safety, he is sent away to camp for demigods and meets monsters, murderers, and criminal animal handlers and dreams about a dark evil force. With twists and turns, he goes on adventures and learns that the true friendship is the lightning you throw along the way. Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin. And today, we have a special guest. I'm David. And we are reading The Lightning Thief, book one of the series Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Riordan. Uh, David, you want to read our factions? Um, yeah. Uh. Factions, Percy Jackson, Grover, Annabeth, Chiron, and Luke. Uh, I would also like to mention that he has a mom. And that Percy has a mom and <laughs> oh, we a stepdad and there are other teachers and various Greek gods and monsters. Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> this is true. Um, <clears throat> we have more, more factions than just the main characters. Yes. Uh, minor character spotlight. Uh, Percy's mom, Sally Jackson, and the uh, dynamic between her and her abusive husband, Gabe. David, did you want to kick off our first topic underneath this spotlight? Physical and emotional abuse. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, it was. It's the so, first time I had to think about that in like a kid's book. It was... Uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, that's why we're talking about these, because, like, most of the stuff we read is YA and, like, young adult fiction, and this is in there, because mm-hmm. fictional books are a safe place to process stuff that happens in real life. So, what, so now that you're thinking about it as a, pl- as a text that has physical and emotional abuse, what did, what do you think about? Do I think about it in the book, or it's just a subject? Uh, uh, the as book. the examples in the book. The book handled it, the book handled it very tastefully, in my opinion. Well, we're gonna, the That's end in our wrap-up is when we talk about how tastefully they All handled right. it, but you can, you can say a little bit of that here, but we do have a place for that in the episode. But, um... Okay, how's, David, tell us why. 
Okay, yeah. Tell us why you think it was tasteful. Yeah. I'm trying to find a good way to word this. That's fine. And this isn't going to be only us quizzing you, but we do want to make sure yeah, you are talking make sure- since you are the guest. <laughs> yeah. I can say, so here's something that I think that they, that um, Rick Riordan did very well um, to, to you, what, what you were saying with it being, being tasteful. It, this abuse is definitely in the book, but it does not, it, it, at no point does the listener or the reader, I'm sorry, at no point does the reader feel like they are in the situation. Right. Yeah. It's like there's some scenes where he's verbally abusive. Mm-hmm. We never have scenes where he's physically abusive. We don't know that that doesn't happen. It, at the end, Im- it is implied and thought about by the character saying, I think he was mm-hmm. about to hit her. That's right. And I'm pretty sure yeah. he has done it before. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That That moment where he realizes... But when you're like, like you said, like this is the first time you've had to think about right. this. Right. It's. Mm-hmm. But this is not the first time you've read this book. Yeah, it's subconscious in the way I know it's a thing. I know it's there, but it's also like I never actually thought how to word it and how to talk about it. Right. Yeah. So the way so, it's written in the book, it's not in a way that shoves it into your face and makes you feel like it's happening. It's just a thing, and then you move on with the mm-hmm. story. And it's never ambiguous that he's bad. But it does, right. doesn't dwell on the details. But I think um, you had so you had uh, written down what are like the subtopics are for this relationship, and I think you yeah, had a good one. So you had a uh, physical and emotional abuse in general. Uh, specifically, he spends all her money and hits her, and he constantly threatens to kick Percy out. He spends the money on gambling and then is complaining mm-hmm. when she's not working because he wants more money on gambling. Um, and by mm-hmm. the signs of their house, he's not good at gambling. <laughs> Sorry, that was I a mean, joke in poor taste. To be fair, to be fair, the the uh, the pretty normal normal thing about gambling is that no one is really good at it other than the person running the the gambling area. <laughs> Um, he threatens to kick Percy out a lot to the point where when he's not home, everything that has Percy involved in the house is either removed or hidden away. Like Percy's bedroom, for example. He uses that as an office when Percy's not home, which is almost all the time. And this is going to be kind of weird. Um, this is just something that I find weird on the book that some people complain with, but I do understand the point of, is having Gabe... Uh, be there to hide Percy when Percy's almost never around Gabe because he's abusive. and But it also right. makes a point to explain oh, yeah. that in a very good way, saying that he is so repellent to monsters that even after three weeks away, Percy's scent has not lingered at all. So it probably helps him for at least part of the school year, and if he came back for holidays, like it'll really up, up it. it. And then Gabe's scent will just be there always. Um, which I feel like that helps with the easiness of the quest. I'm not going to mm. say it's easy, but compared to later books, it was very. And I have not read any of the later books, and we're talking about them one book at a time. Right, sorry. Um, so no. Sp- <laughs> that's okay. No, you're fine. Just no spoilers. Yeah. 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 No, that's that's a really good point, and I think it's it's interesting that you mentioned that like. 
Like, she's putting up with 12 months of abuse to protect him for two months or three months a year. That actually wasn't even what I was thinking about. Oh, okay. What were you thinking? Uh, I was thinking, like, the point that his stuff is all hidden away when he's not there. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that... That kind of makes it look like, almost, that he's not just being... He's not just being threatened with kicked out of his house, but with... Like, you, even when he's there, it's almost like his dad doesn't, his or his stepdad doesn't want him to really even live there. He like, almost wants to pretend that he doesn't live there. Yeah. Because he's slowly... He's yeah. Like, it's not like he went to college, <clears throat> is an adult, and comes back sometimes. Because, like, I've been in that dynamic where it's like, well, my room's taken over because I'm gone most of the time. Well, I guess this is fine. But he's 12, so, like, that's really early to have that happening. Um, I mean, that just looks to me like it's been happening the whole time. Like, this isn't a change. He's just never been allowed to live there. That's that's what that looks like to me. It's... Mm -hmm. Because I doubt this suddenly started when he was, like, 11 or something. And and something that's, like, very Mm -hmm. noticeable is how every school he's been to, it's, like, every private school, it's always a place where he can stay. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I feel like... So he's literally being kicked out without technically being kicked out. Right. Yeah. So it is like college in a sense. Yeah, and like, private schools aren't uncommon by any mm-hmm. stretch. It's just not something that any of us went to. Um, so it is... It is a more common than not of an experience for kids to be at a private school before they're in college, sometimes Mm -hmm. in another state or even another country, um, especially historically speaking. Yeah. But him not having a space when he comes back, that feels bad. That's Mm -hmm. something that I will say... um, is despite all the money that uh, Gabe is spending, uh, they still have a, like a way to get uh, to get him into a private school and away from them. Which I think um, at the time I was like, well, why would that happen? To be spending all of it, I feel like he's helping to kick him out. Yeah. Well, like don't touch I this. Suspect... For me to push your kid away. Well, I I think that being in the private school is probably his mom's idea because I mean, it. he's pro- Gabe's probably fine with it because he doesn't like Percy being around. Point. He's never going to touch yeah. like his private school money because he doesn't want Percy to be there. Right. But then she wants to go on a very short trip and he asks if it's coming out of her clothing budget. And that just made me very angry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, he like he like takes m- any money from them at any opportunity. Like when Percy comes home, he's like, "I don't have any money." And Gabe is saying, "You went on the bus and it was something something amount of currency." Oh yeah. And he's like, "You must have seven you bucks. Have seven bucks and change. I want it now to keep playing." Which is yeah, it's really not good. Um, and then yep. He does other stuff to try and make sure that Percy doesn't uh, ever come back ever again, which is something they'll figure out when they read the book. Yeah. So trying to not just summarize the book. Um, no. Yeah. yeah. 
do you have any more like thoughts about like the implications of that or like what it does we can talk about what it does to sally because it's the minor character spotlight we're not really talking about percy right now like do you have any idea like what it does to his mom or we can talk about how the book doesn't show very much what it does to his mom either way I think we don't see what it does to his mom because she doesn't let Percy see what it does to her. Oh, good. Which yeah, is, good point. Which is props to Sally right there. Trying to keep everything cool and under yeah. control. Given that he's 12, yes, it is good that she's not putting that burden on him. But also that means it's a lot for her to handle alone when she definitely can't talk to her partner about it and i doubt he's good about her having friends yeah so um if that's it for sally then we can all right for our main character first topic uh Percy is separated from his only friends because of the parents' rivalry. Uh, David, did you want to elaborate on this? You guys go first. Okay. So there's a there's a point where throughout the series, there's tension in. I don't know. If they don't say this explicitly, but it feels like. They're trying to figure out whether they are themselves or whether they are their parents. And it doesn't really resolve in this book, and it doesn't have to. It's book one. But there's a moment where um, Annabeth, whose god, whose immortal parent is um, Athena, and Percy, whose immortal parent is Poseidon, are trying to figure out whether they can work together. And they end up saying, okay, well, I guess we can because... Um, our parents had to work together to make uh, the chariot because the chariot needs horses. That's such a wild, by the way, that is a wild, like, we have to work together because this thing needs to exist. Like, right. Well, it's, we have, yeah. Like, our parents worked together to make this thing. And, like, they have to work together right now to, like, not die. But I feel like those are not even... (laughs) Like I'm saying, what I'm saying is like I'm disagreeing with the having, book. <laughs> right, having their identities like meshed with their parents and determined by their parents so much. And to be fair, they're twelve, but having their parent their identities so shaped by their parents, it's like they they're like we Percy and Annabeth have to work together well, to not die. Can we work together? Okay, good. Our parents made a thing together one time. It'll be okay because before. They'd had a bunch of examples of, well, Athena did this and Poseidon didn't like it. Well, Poseidon did this and Athena didn't like it. Well, I'm mad at you because our parents... Something that I will like to say to that is Annabeth's identity, at least from when I read it, was more wrapped up in the parents than Percy was. Because Percy spent a little bit of the time being salty at Poseidon because... (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, like he was being but, hunted. But when you're trying to get two people to work together, 
the thing stopping them from working together was the rivalry between Poseidon and Athena, right. even though it's mostly on the side of Annabeth caring very much about that rivalry. Mm-hmm. It, that is a good point. I do agree about that. It's a weird, almost like, I don't want to say projected identity, but like, in this series, the gods aren't directly involved in the raising of their half-human children. Right. So, I mean, like, I was, I've been sitting here trying to think of, is there a justification or a way to make, make it make sense, you know, that it's like, well, you know, if my, my mom didn't like this or my dad didn't like this person, then that means automatically that I'm not going to get along with someone just because they're related. And there, there can be situations like that. Sure. But the difference in those situations is that all of those people are involved in each other's lives somehow. And here, this is literally just the kids going, well, my mommy that I may or may not have met one time when she acknowledged me didn't like it. (laughs) So I refuse forever. Like, that's just a huge... This is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like... Well, our parents are kind of snippy at each other when they talk to each other once a year at Christmas because they're friends, but they did a college project together and it went well, so we can work together too. It's worse than that. It's worse than that. It's my biological parents of me, the child who doesn't live with them. I heard one time that maybe my biological mom didn't like this person's biological dad, so we can't be friends ever. (laughs) Like, well, yeah, wait, that's what? literally what it is. There's yeah. so many more layers in between them. Like, she liked... Well, we should be clear that, like, she... They didn't start the book knowing that he was Poseidon's kid. And no. so she was, like, hoping that he was going to be... To be her The savior. child of a god that was already aligned with her parent. And then she right. got disappointed by that. She was um, like, this is important, I want to do this quest, and she was very excited for it, until she's like, right. oh, you're Poseidon's kid, and like, well, I guess this is not my thing, and we're not going to work together, and I hate you now. Right. Yeah, like, that's such an extreme... There, there's just a... It's just a weird... It, it really just seemed like this just weird projection of, of a bunch of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you had listed this as, as the topic... What do you think of as the trauma for this, David? Being ostracized? Okay. Yeah. Like being a friend and then feeling like that's getting taken away because of not something you did. Yeah. Well, yeah I mean, that this is literally is. his only friend at this point, right? Right. Like, yeah, she's that's it. true. She's the only one. She's, and he met her she's a week the ago. Yeah. Only friend that. But he, he has Grover. And that's kind of about it. And he was. Not not hat. That's weird phrasing. He's only had Grover for a he's year. He's only had Grover and- for a year, and he's not mad at him, but he's kind of like not happy with him at this point because. Well, by the finding out, oh, by the way, I'm 15 years older than you, and I've been spying on you. That Oof. that's. <sighs> I feel like we. Sh- I feel like that does go here if our topic is. Percy finding out that people he thought were his friends or would be his friends can't be for some reason. I mean, we can almost say that this is being ostracized, but also abandonment. Mm, Because like you're talking about, like he lost his only friend. He thought he got another one. And then that, that other friend turns around and says, no, actually, my mommy doesn't like your dad. So... And 
on just kidding and on top of that he has to deal with uh a new perception of reality his mom's dead Mm -hmm. and not only uh his friend but it's also his uh way older teacher has been spying on him Ooh, he's the i do think it's important that you point out that like one of his teachers was also like then tried to kill him which is like a little bit beyond just rivalry so yeah he's got a lot of like thinking that somebody is one person and then finding out that they're not yeah do we want to mention luke here because i now i'm thinking about it luke is in that pattern too like they're not good friends but he like really looks up to him Luke was someone who took a, not really took a chance, you know what he's doing, but Percy think he took a chance yeah. on him to be friends with and had his back. Yeah. Um, And even though he, even though he couldn't use some of the gear that Luke gave him, he was very happy the fact that he was given his flying shoes, the only gift he ever got from his father. Yeah. And he feels bad that he wasn't able to use the shoes Luke lent him. And then, oh. He gives them to someone else. I don't know how important the exact mechanics of that are, but like he, it it is definitely a case of thinking that someone's going to like him and going to get along with him. But this one's a little worse because like Annabeth wasn't pretending to like him. She just was disappointed when. Yeah, but I mean, when so many people were pretending and then you have this person that for a reason that is probably very like wildly out of nowhere for, for just Percy, says yeah. just says actually never mind like i don't really think at that point if it that it matters that she wasn't pretending just because she's still doing the same thing here's why i say it would matter that she's not pretending cuz like she doesn't like ditch the quest but she's like a little like they work through it in a way that he doesn't have a chance to with any of these other people. Like having a, a, that's a true. group partner that you don't get along with, but you got to finish the assignment by Monday. Yep, that's, but it, that's but it's like that. having your best friend being put in the group and, and then you have a falling out and you still have to finish the project. Right. <laughs> like, oh, I had that happen. It was terrible. Um, um but there's like there's that yeah. and like the first scene like that we like meet Annabeth, she's interrogating him because she thinks mm-hmm. that he's going to be the one to get her yep. her shot. Yeah, like, she's trying to figure out whether it's going to work. And she even says, like, well, as long as you're basically anyone but Poseidon, it'll be fine. Like, oh, no. All cut sealed in the river. Yeah. And she's like, well, you're dead to me. <laughs> not, not quite, but... <laughs> Almost. I feel yeah. like with this one, there's an interesting kind of ongoing theme in this book of Percy just... He depends on someone and then he can't. He depends on someone and then he can't. And and there's this this and I don't wanna I don't wanna go into the other books, but I, I think it is it's an interesting setup. It's almost a very stereotypical setup for a character that's going to have this well I can be everything by myself kind of almost revelation and um it's just very consistent. <laughs> it's con- but it's consistent in a tragic way. <laughs> It's not consistent in a we're building you up as a person way. Um, any other thoughts? Anything else we've skipped? Uh, nothing else without giving away spoilers. Spoilers for other books? Not other books. I mean, like, for kind of the beginning of this book. You can you can give away spoilers in this book. That's fine. Well, it's, it's more like an add-on, but it wasn't even, like, 
there, it was revealed to him when it had to. He figured out that Groover was spying on him, not being told, but like literally eavesdropping on his conversation with his teacher, and finds out in both mm. that moment, like they're something I just thought would also hurt. Yeah, because it wasn't even. Yeah, it wasn't even the situation's too tense. It was more about figuring out that the two friends you're friends with are talking about you behind your back, which mm. sucks. Yeah, and that's a whole that's a whole other like level of betrayal. It's just another layer. Before the supernatural elements there, it's just two people he really liked and admired, and they both like, I don't know if we can tell him. It's like, tell him what? It's So it's not like like, like trash talking, but it's like... No. It still hurts when your friends have a secret concerning you, but won't tell you. Well, especially a secret that can hurt you. Exactly. And I don't think it necessarily matters whether it was helpful or whether it was a positive or negative secret, because the whole point is he doesn't know which one it is. (laughs) Right. Like, it's not it's not like, ooh, a birthday party. It's like, uh. yeah, it's like, oh, oh, his father's back in town. Should we tell him he doesn't know his father is? Like, he like, won't miss him if yeah. we never say anything. It's like, it's like, oh. it's like uh, in, like, stupid sitcoms where it's, like, the parents spend the money that was given to them by grandparents. And it's like, he won't miss it if he didn't didn't know it exists. And then oh, there's no. a whole other what plot. What sitcoms are you watching? To be fair, I don't watch sitcoms. That sounds terrible. Yeah, but after Ugh. you've gone on for eight seasons, what else left can you do? Are you referencing Baby Daddy? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm sad that I could figure that out from context. <laughs> and I don't watch Baby Daddy, to be clear. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Our second uh, topic for Percy as our main character is that he gets falsely accused of a crime and hunted down uh as punishment retribution whichever um i was uh, listed like only three people hunting him but there's actually four because he's also on the run from the police ah so we should oh, say there's a there's a mundane hunter as well and by i've listed you mean you typed down so for the listeners uh he's chased by hades Ares, zeus and also the human police <laughs> and those people and the inhuman police, if you think about it. That's accurate. Uh, so I thought this yeah. was... A, so, okay, so it is... I do want to kind of say, before we get really into like the nitty-gritty here, it is kind of a a pretty common multicultural global theme that when the gods give out punishments, it does not fit the crime by human standards. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said... We are still talking about the trauma inflicted on a 12-year-old human, half-human child. Yes. So, yes, we know that that's very common and consistent with literature. However, just um, because it's common doesn't mean it's not traumatic. Yeah, its effect on Percy is still going to be the it's still going to be an an a punishment does not fit the crime scenario for him. Yeah. And he was framed by a friend. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, kind of hailing hailing back a little bit to our to our second topic of the episode. Yeah, I mentioned uh, Luke not really being friends with him. Luke set him up, set him up 
for this whole well, thing. That was the, it was the point, and then he gave him something that would drag him to literal where every monster spawns, and hoping they devour him. Oh, I hadn't so, thought about. Oh, wait, and that would and that would get all uh, all three big player gods mad at each other because Percy would have died in the underworld, meaning Poseidon would be mad at Hades, um, and Hades would be mad at uh, Poseidon because he thinks his son stole his helm, and Zeus is mad at Poseidon because he thinks uh, the kid stole. He thinks yeah. Stole he gets his stolen by bolt. Percy, and then he's mad at Hades because he thinks that Hades has the bolt because Percy died in the underworld. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's I just really convoluted. Tri- I hadn't thought through that whole triangle. <laughs> that is that is amazing. Um, so, actually, following up on that, I just want to kind of go through, um, David, what you had written down before. Uh, so, we have m- multiple reasons why, just as a follow-up to what you just said. So, Ares is not actually hunting Percy to kill him. It uh, is which is good, because to- Ares would be the most accurate if he were aiming to be deadly. For those not under mythology, Ares is the god of war. Yeah, Ares, Ares is the the hunter in this scenario. But he's, he's just hunting him to scare him, which, speaking of punishment, doesn't fit the crime. It's to scare him, to kind of help him, and to kind of make sure the bolt gets there. And his <laughs> motivation for doing that is it's a big war. Yeah, yeah. which is not a great excuse. Um, Zeus wanted a reason to kill him and basically went, aha, my chance. Yeah. And there's some, a lot sorry, to unpack there. Everything I want to say to Ares, sorry, um, was. I like, I do, however, like how it's, even though it's a very simple kind of weird reason why he wants it, it's a lot more simple than carrying another plot point of, oh, Zeus and Poseidon and Hades all put me aside and stuff. Can yeah. we, on the uh, punishment doesn't fit a, fit the crime, since that's the topic here, can we pause a second to talk about how the Half-Blood kids, uh, they don't want them because... They attract monsters, but they attract monsters because the gods don't like them, and there's a lot of monsters around. Like, what, like, circular bullshit is that? Because this is the patron episode, and we can swear. Like, what? Why is that <laughs> happening? Like, that, I just thought, I just realized, like, I don't know, that, that reminds me, that reminds me a little bit of, like, the whole, like, we can't have gay people in the FBI because they might get blackmailed. Why would they get blackmailed? Because we can't have gay people in the FBI. Like, it reminds me of that, like, really, oh, really yeah. terrible loop where the only reason it's a problem is because you don't like it. And so then you justify it as a problem by saying, well, some people don't like it. Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> you the thing. Yeah. I shouldn't laugh. That was, sorry. No, like, that That feels like a little bit of the loop that's happening here. It is. Well, it is. Given that each god controls a certain type of monster. Because that seems to be how it works. Because <laughs> uh, uh, Poseidon literally makes the Cyclopses that try and kill people. Yeah. Um, so something that I will say with that is... Um, Something that I can also put in, like, what, like, I like what the author did was how he captured the kind of, like, alienness and, like, uh, not human way about the gods. And that because their life's already so short, why stop it? Oh, yeah. Like, you weren't so using it's, that. It's kind of like, it's kind of like sitting, it's I'm trying to find the perfect analogy. It's kind of like, well, why would I say it's, oh, I'm not going to use that one. Never mind. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, they're saying your life is short, so it doesn't matter anyway. I'll just take it. And the humans are like, but that is literally the only life I have. Please it's don't take it. It's literally the point it. of life. Like, is, that, is that I will die, so why don't we try to prolong it so I can do more things? Yeah. It's it's stuff like that. Or even let me live my own natural life and I'll be out of your hair soon. <laughs> and something that goes into like, oh, so it goes back to the Percy section. But how Poseidon says, and uh, this goes for both ways, Poseidon says he doesn't know what to make of them. And so he regrets he regrets that Percy exists and it's like, hey, I got you. But at the same time, um, isn't really going to care. If any of them die, which is why they don't always step in. Right. And there's also, like, the air of, like, kind of, like, the parentness of, well, if I step in every time, you won't learn anything. It's like, well, yeah, but if it's your enemy that you should be dealing with. Yeah. Like, this isn't stepping in. This is you being responsible. But we can't have for your own actions. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? But you know, it's accountableness, the ca- accountableness, accountability, accountability, and having petty feuds with monsters and each other, like how uh, some uh, gods won't do heroes a solid simply because they don't like their parents. It's kind of a little. It's like, and I will say another thing that goes off to like the the hunted by other monsters and gods is because I'm sorry, we should. It kind of goes into both sections, like I say it again, um, is the fact that Percy isn't supposed to exist because there's a pact. That's, that is, I mean, that is why Zeus is targeting him. Yeah, it's why he targets him, but it's also kind of hypocritical. Yeah, that's the thing I was Mm. saying with like, yeah, it's a crime that you exist because we shouldn't have done something. It's like, well, you did, and I'm here now. I would like, like I exist now. I would like to live, please. It's like you you put me in crap conditions my entire life. Um and something that we didn't say uh about Sally, but I'm gonna say here because it goes back to Poseidon again, is how it is revealed that Poseidon gave her a way out, but she is so she's the kind of person who wants to get like uh fortune fame by her own methods and not by a uh, pat down from someone higher up what way out did mm. he offer her he offered her to go into the sea and have her own palace oh yeah and she wanted to and still she was be like, human she wanted to still be human and she wanted to learn how to get there by herself and not mm-hmm. rely on this one connection yeah which is also also preventing a war because if she did go down there then Hades and Zeus would not be angry not not be angry would be angry yeah um the one last thing so Percy here also I just want to kind of add a layer to this this uh this whole thing um Percy is tried as an adult not only does the punishment not fit the crime for a human. <laughs> but also, he's not given the chance to be a child, grow and learn, even if and even if he was accurately accused, even if he had actually done it, he is given no chance to 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 grow up and 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 learn better. Um 
So, you know, if you want to kind of, like, add layers of horrific complexity here. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Olympian baseball is um, uh, very uh, hard to play because it's one strike you're out. (laughs) Oh, geez. That's a a good joke. Um, Um, (laughs) No penalty box. It's um, a death sentence. No penalty box. Just the the Gormagon pit. The Gormagon (laughs) is not from Olympus. That. I I don't care at all. That's. (laughs) We throw you into Tartarus in pieces like our father. That that that's a D and D monster, and then Stranger Things. That is not <laughs> problem. You mean the Gorgons, like Medusa no. and her sisters? No, are I would Gorgons. never throw oh. Medusa under the bus like that. How dare you? Something okay. <laughs> I will say is something that uh, goes along with being hunted is the fact that he does like well. Um, does get like help from Poseidon and stuff. Um, I will mention that, which is nice. On the other hand, is he gets into <laughs> trouble, nice. but also s- s- spared because Poseidon did and didn't do something. Like when they go to Medusa's garden, mm. she uh, doesn't. Uh, she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna kill the satyr and Annabeth because you know they're here." But you, you're just gonna be a nice, lovely statue because you have your father's eyes, and. Kind of like Harry Potter, it's always mentioned that he looks like his father. Um, and I also think that's very creepy because he is twelve. Yeah, people have had like yeah. ad- like adult interactions with his father, or like you look just like your dad. Like that's creepy. Go so away. I'm gonna stop I'm saying a- that. <sighs> it's bad, but she's like, I'm gonna kill. Um. I'm gonna kill you, Annabeth, because your mom uh, stopped me from getting freaky with Poseidon. So, you're dead. Yep. All right, time for the wrap up and ratings. For our gratuity rating for Percy's mom and the associated events, uh, that's mostly backstory and off screen. Um,. Yeah, we don't really have when any actual scenes with this, do we? We just kind of we, have Percy head knowledge. Mostly. We have some scenes that make him realize things. We do have some we events. We have detective when, putting stuff together. When, when they are on screen, are they mild, moderate, or severe? I'm debating between mild and moderate. Because there are a couple of shocking moments. I, I will say it was going to be like... A, moderate because at the beginning it's like it's like all right okay. he's just uh, he's just an asshole but at the okay, end no details mm-hmm. sorry david no details no details you could just say towards the beginning, towards the beginning it is more it was, moderate it was just hardly or more noticeable mm-hmm. and oh, okay. during like the during the end it was like whoa that that that, that that's 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 um, uh, that's bad that that's fucked yeah. up <laughs> But it's not, like, a very graphic depiction, and that's more what we're looking at. So, like, is it a graphic depiction for the raider? And I think it might stay mild. It makes you aware of a thing where if it happened on screen, it could be a lot worse, but the actual description is more bad in its implications. That's Um, true. I'm cool with either mild or moderate. It is, it's, it's on the edge. I would put moderate just because it is on the edge. And so if you are a listener who is... This is not the worst thing ever, but for this thing, it is pretty... The author went as far as Disney would let him. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and I would say, like, especially if you're someone who's listening to this podcast with the intent of deciding whether or not you can read this, we're going to rate this moderate because, yeah, better safe than sorry. You know, if it's, if yep. it's walking a line. Um, okay. Percy with separation from friends. I, uh, this is not mild. It's not mild. It's severe. It's it is, severe. It's severe. It's most of the book. It's pervasive. It's oh, constant. Yeah. There's it a bunch of different ways of showing it. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. so many that as we were listing things, we kept finding more and more and more <laughs> things that all fit this theme well beyond the initial incident that made us lab it as a topic. It's severe. It is not the worst thing that someone can go through, but is a very brutal depiction of this thing. Right. Um, and then the false accusation. I'd actually call this moderate. Yeah, like it's, I don't know. It's like, there's like a lot of it, but every individual bit of it isn't like terrible. There's a lot of jocularity of like, boy, you know, this could have been a lot worse. <laughs> like, I'm okay with calling it severe, but since it's, it, it gets neatly averted in time. Like, if it hadn't That's gotten true. averted. That's true. It's averted it in a lot of, a couple different ways. If the long-term consequences hadn't gotten averted by him being a hero and saving the day. Then yes. it would okay. be a lot All right. worse. Alright, I'm I'm with you on that. Because if that scene had played out to its call it natural conclusion, it would have been incredibly severe. Uh, right. Do you know what we mean, David? I know what you mean. I'm also thinking through it. Um Okay. Yeah. Do you agree or disagree on moderate for uh Because it's not for the mild. false accusation. Oh no, it's not mild. There's too much of it for it to count as mild. If we consider it mild, we'd have to discredit ourselves. For- I'll also say that some of it is backstory. Like, there is a fair amount where it's like, we know how bad this could be because we know the history of all the stuff right. that the gods that involved have done in the past. But that doesn't make the actual trauma backstory. That's true. That just makes the, that just means that the book has, like, a buildup of any kind. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm I'm okay with moderate. Okay, I would I would not be okay with mild, but I'm okay with moderate. No, no, no. I'm I'm all, right, I'm all right with moderate. Yeah, it's it's the fact that it's not gonna. It's the fact that it's kind of swept under the rug because it's a hero. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so Percy's mom with why this trauma. Um, it integral, <sighs> interchangeable, or irrelevant. Just a reminder for David. Um. I think it's interchangeable. It's definitely I think yeah. It's definitely not integral because there are a lot of different ways that he could have been free to roam. Yeah. Um and actually some of them are built into the story. Like she could, it, she just kind of find like he, actually, you know what? I'm going to part I'm going to say it's irrelevant. Irrelevant? Oh. I'm going to say it's irrelevant because a bold in choice. in the book we actually have built in reasons that he has gone from his house for up to 10 months of the year. 
Oh, and so if he had been just gone, if he was just more. yeah, if he was just enrolled in this camp by his mom, that would have been the reason. Because the camp has existed for right a and, while, right, and because not every child at that camp is a runaway. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's also told that it can be year round. Yeah, yeah. So I, I actually think that this is irrelevant because the way the world is constructed, it gives us other reasons that he could have been free to just go off and have adventures. There's another way to disarm like it, the bomb it informs, than drive it into the ocean. It informs our understanding of his mob's personality, so I see why it was in there. Oh, no. It makes sense but, that it was in there, but as far as being essential to the plot or... Right. Like, it doesn't actually forward the plot other than that the author said, I want this to forward the plot. But there was other built-in ways that that could have happened. It keeps Sally the same person. And I'm sure it'll get built on in later books, maybe, but it didn't have to be there in the first place. Yeah. Okay. Um, The separation from friends, it is integral to the plot. Not necessarily every single instance of it, but Many of the instances were integral. Um, I would say maybe one or two of them were interchangeable. Um, I mean, well, if we're talking about it as an idea, as a concept, it is it is integral because it right. fuels, as a concept, as a theme, it fuels a lot of the decisions mm-hmm. that that Percy makes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If there were fewer of them, it wouldn't feel like a theme in the book. Well, if, if there, there were fewer were of them, them it- he would have made... If, the, if any one of them was taken away in that moment, oh. he would have had different choices to make, and it would have changed the book. That's, oh, that's my true. argument yep. for that. Yeah, that's in a girl. All right. All right. David, what do you think for the false accusation, now that you have a sense of how we're saying it, do you think the false accusations were integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant? I think the accusations were important. I I don't know exactly which one, because integral and the other one. Okay, so integral is if you pulled it out and swapped it for something else, would it have changed the entire book? Interchangeable is you could have had some other trauma that served a very similar function such that you wouldn't have to change very much of the book. But you needed Irrele- something in that But you needed that something. Yeah. Irrelevant is that you, it didn't matter whether it was there at all. You could remove it without affecting the story at all. Like... Like it, the, like it doesn't. Um, and this right. don't keep in the recording, but like David, it doesn't matter that Grover eats tin cans. That doesn't matter. <laughs> it's fun. It doesn't change the it's, plot. There's no moment where having a tin can in his back pocket saves his life. Like it doesn't matter. It's, it's he does it to help waste go down. Well, it is a fun like, tidbit of his character. You could just have it be fruit right. and compost. Right. It could have been just apples. It could have been that he can't stand, he can't stop eating people's books because they're paper. <laughs> like it could have been anything. They're like, yes, this so one's recycled paper. Swapping it mm. for, yeah, swapping it for books would be interchangeable. Totally irrelevant would be like he didn't have to keep eating stuff. Yeah. So All right. back to the thing. So I think the thing with him being falsely accused was very important. Mm-hmm. I think it. 
sets up the conflict in a nice way. Yeah. Could it have been swapped out for a different trauma that served the same purpose? Or do you think it was the only thing that could go there and have this book stay the same? Is there a way for the story to happen if he doesn't get falsely accused? No, because... Okay. Okay, okay. then that's it. That's, that's the answer. That's it. So it's, it's integral. integral. And I, I do agree on that one. Yeah, same. I actually wrote down integral already <laughs> and then would only have changed it if you had a really good argument for something else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now so, is, yeah. was the trauma treated with care? So this is like the language, the phrasing. Um, and our, our general idea for this is, is it done in a way that would be really stressful or traumatic for the reader like does the book inflict the trauma emotionally on the reader just by how it's described in the text that's the that's that's the the, that's the short version yeah yeah um so with the stuff with percy's mom um so we have not treated with care treated mm -hmm. with some care or treated with not enough care, basically. Then we have like, treated with enough care. And then we have, yes, it was just treated with care. So we have no, not enough, enough, and yes. You guys go first. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so for Percy's mom, I feel like, I don't, I feel like, like it wasn't done badly. This is somewhere between not enough and enough, and I'm not sure which way it goes. And I think that the fact that it a lot of the things that we talked about were not even things that on a first read through had been kind of picked up until we started looking at it looking for trauma puts it mm -hmm. at enough. Because it took like David, you had actually said at, at the beginning, you know, like, you didn't realize that it was this bad in the book it's until you started listening and, and looking for things like this. And I yeah. think that I think that the fact that you had to look to find it kind of shoves it like, into that. It was treated with enough care. Like, as a kid, there's a certain scene, and because this is a kid's book, it tells, it literally tells the uh, audience that this is bad, but right. if, but if but it wasn't handled that way, it wasn't something my yeah. brain lingered on. It wasn't like, oh my god, this happened. It was all right. Right. And, and I think maybe without that scene, it might have just been, like, swept under the rug almost, and that would have been enough care. It would have been. It would have just been treated with care. But yeah, that scene means that you can't just gloss over it. But also, it's not happening as you're reading it. Um. All right, and then Percy being separated from his friends. I. I'm gonna go ahead and say, I'm gonna say enough because. Part, the descriptions of this are bleak to get impact, but they're not, they're not, they're not bad. They're not too much. They're just like, Percy doesn't just sit blunt. around thinking about how he's all alone. <laughs> right. That doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think if it did, that would put this to not, not treated with care, but, um. You think it, I think it is enough. I think it's enough. I think. I think this one is difficult because the, the it's almost it's you know what I almost want to say this is a weird one because I think it was treated with enough care but I think the reason it was treated with enough care was because it was used as a plot device 
and it didn't really have actual personal consequences for Percy. Oh, okay. I think that this is a, I don't think it was treated with care because the character going through the trauma wasn't treated with care, didn't get a chance to really heal or work through it. It just kind of happened and happened and happened and happened and happened in the plot forward. And uh, that tips me to saying not enough. Like, not in a way that would dissuade me from, like, recommending it to anybody. Right. But, like, not this... Cl- it doesn't feel like the book was thinking, like, the author was thinking of this as trauma. Yes. Uh, like, I almost, I almost feel like the character... I, I, and, and it might and it might just be the audience it was written for and it might yeah, just be like the way the book was done what I'm about to say Disney will, will, will that's true that's true this was published with Disney in mind it's a, it's a <laughs> Disney book and unlike and apparently the Disney book people uh, care more about the audience than the Disney movie people <laughs> hmm Okay, so then we we can blame Disney instead of the author. I Production. Do I don't know if I want to start out our bonus no, episodes we won't, by blaming we won't Disney's do that. production. We won't book. do that. I'll cut yeah. that. I'll cut that. Uh, no. Um, so so in that case, it might not be the author who put strictures on this. Um, but I I agree. I think maybe that takes it to not. It's enough. a kids' book, and maybe someone said, "Hey, this is how far you can go." Well, yeah. I mean, here's okay. I I, I do think. Sorry, I'm going to let my audio calm down for a second. I'm getting weird spikes. Okay, they stopped. Um, I think that because it is not framed in the book as a traumatic event, but this thing keeps happening over and over and over, I think that it's, it's either just enough or not quite enough. Like, it's on that edge. Um... Cliff hanging, Where? hanging on a cliff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I'm gonna I'm gonna say enough care like for the things that fit this pattern that the book clearly thinks of as traumatic events, like the one at the very very start, um, and a reveal at the very very end. Like it clearly treats those as traumatic events and has enough care. I just, I don't know how much awareness this was that it is a pervasive theme right and i don't Mm want to like assume the author didn't know their own book or anything oh no uh this author is incredibly deliberate with the things that they put in and don't put in the book another thing i want to say was um this story was not like off like the top of his head but this originally wasn't supposed to be published this was a bedtime story he's reading his kid he read oh, okay. um uh Greek Let those put some different context. He to did it. he yeah. read this he read uh Greek mythology to his kid um as like a bedtime story and then when it came uh people were like you should publish this cuz it's really good and that started into a series. Okay. Um so in that case right. I that case I do think it was enough because with that context that makes sense that that's not something you would want yeah. to dwell on. Um Yep. All right. And then to the false accusation, I'm going to say, like, enough care. Like, it's the main thing in the plot. It's driving so much of it. I don't think it could have been treated with more care without pulling away from the story and lessening the impact that was necessary. 
So you're just going to say treated with care? I'm just going to say enough. I'm, I'm going to say I don't enough. think it okay. could have been treated with more without a problem, but I, but there's enough of a description of what's happening in the book that I think it's just enough. Right. Yeah. Um, it definitely wasn't like a handle gently moment. Right. Um, moving on to the point of view. Uh, so for the stuff with Percy's mom, we never get her point of view. Right. And right. we never get her point of view of what's happening to her, which also, you know, keeps it in the zone for a kid's book because we don't have an adult perspective of how awful this is every day Yeah, in a kid's book. But it also means that me reading as an adult, I'm like, oh, oh, her life is so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> uh, it's, it's so bad. Why is she doing that? But, <laughs> sorry. Um, it, I, if it weren't a kid's book, I would be, I would take issue with never getting the perspective of the person being traumatized, but I'm not worried about it in this book. It is the right decision for this book. It's about him. Yeah. It's tangentially about his mom's life. It's not trying to be about her stuff that's going on. Um... But it also, like, it it, it blunts the I mean, description, it, it blunts the impact. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, separation from friends. We just get him, right? Yeah, it's him, this whole book. That's it. Do we That's get, the easy answer. Do we get anybody else? We don't get anybody else's perspective on We don't on get anything, anybody else. So literally, all three of these, it's just, it's just all three of these. Because that's it. That's yeah. all we have. <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, though, interestingly, I do want to talk about, like, to, to me, it's different from the, ma- from the minor character topic to the main character topics, because when it's the minor character, it does do a different thing when we don't have the perspective of the person being traumatized. And then for the other two, where he is the main character and he is the narrator, we do have his perspective. That's um, true. Yeah, that's, that's the, really the only thing I'd want to highlight in how those are different. Um, but the yeah. two main topics, well, it's happening to him and it's his perspective. It does mean that we don't have the perspective inside the heads of the friends who become separated from him for various reasons. And so we just have his reaction and we don't have anything about why in their own thoughts. We just get whatever they do or do not say out loud. So. Yeah. Um, all right, for the aspiring writer tip, David, is there anything you would recommend to someone writing this kind of book, a book for kids with fantastical adventures? And it can be good or bad. Yeah, either do this or please don't either way. I like something that I think should happen is under i like how they kind of understood the character and i liked how how well he betrayed the gods Mm -hmm. it was their 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 nice nature but also how it was clear that even though i I care for you because you're because i love you but also at the same time i don't know what it was i think it was handled very well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so don't sacrifice character development for a happy ending Oh, 
Okay. All right. I like that one. <laughs> that, yeah. That works. Nice uh, and pithy. That's also yeah. not quite where I thought you were going. So I, but that, yeah. Yes. It wasn't, it wasn't, oh, you're back. Oh, fireworks. It was also like, yeah, I'm yeah. glad you competed the quest, but I kind of wish you don't exist. Oof. And that's something they kind of <sighs> have to go through the, through the entire series. And I like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll look for that more in uh, other books. Uh, all right, Nikki, what's your favorite <laughs> non-traumatic thing about this book? My favorite non-traumatic thing. Oh my gosh, we kind of mentioned it before uh, a little bit. I like that non-humans are not human. <laughs> oh yeah, Grover eats tin cans. <laughs> um, I consider that Hacky not Sack a spoiler. Eats the apple instead. Of- <laughs> yeah like i just i like i i love very much when i get books and particularly this book is just done in such a silly but not demeaning it's just fun mm-hmm. way uh when books have non-human sentient characters that legitimately don't feel like a people that just is described as looking not human mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah because there's so many books out there that they're like, oh yeah, I have this alien creature who thinks and acts and talks and speaks and works and does things the way the rest of the human m- m- crew does. Right. And oh, we know they're an alien because every time they walk into a room, they're introduced as being the alien. <laughs> and it's, it's my this alien very, friend over there. It's my my alien friend that if you just you know eat, wrote bark, down their cold. dialogue would sound like a person and. Yeah, and I just really like, and I and I also really like that it's not some deep dark monster change. Like, no, it's just Grover eats tin cans. Like, it's just it's just funny. Yeah. Um. But it but it very much it adds to and it, it makes it so those characters are not people because that's not what people can do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I like it, and it does it like I said without infantilizing or dehumanizing the character it doesn't make them an, a token object that just wanders around doing adventures like no yeah. they're a fully it fledged entity them. no not at all not it doesn't at all other than but it makes sure you know that they are not human they are clearly the non-human just as included just as important mm-hmm. just as realized member of the group all that's, right that's my uh, favorite thing about my this book. favorite thing my favorite non-traumatic thing um uh chiron the centaur yeah uh i love horses i love centaurs horse in town and just like the (laughs) the depiction of him and his solution for pretending to be a human i do not want to spoil it um his his solution for how to appear human when he needs to is uh is is really interesting and well done um, it suddenly makes me worried about ableism in the books. Just thinking about it. Uh, hmm. Wait, hmm. no, I'm gonna rethink on whether that's my favorite thing. Uh, so maybe cut that. Uh, okay. Because I got all of a sudden worried that he is he is appropriating having a disability in order to appear human. In a way, I don't think so. I mean. He can't go anywhere that's not, like, anywhere that's meant for humans without a wheelchair. I call that disability. Okay, alright. Let me cut that digression. Okay, so, uh, I 
freestanding, my favorite non-dramatic thing about the book is Chiron's solution to uh, needing to appear human sometimes. I I like I like the character. I like how he is. It um, it's it's an interesting way to do it, and I like it a whole lot. I don't want to spoil it because the reveal in the book is a very cool moment. So. Um, leave that. Uh, David, what was your favorite non-traumatic thing? My favorite non-traumatic thing? Mm-hmm. So this would be, like, anything where, yeah. even though it might happen with trauma stuff, like, the thing you're liking isn't the depiction of it. The scene... And it, ideally, it isn't something we've mentioned at all. It's... You could look at it both ways. My favorite thing was them in the carriage with the animals and setting the animals free that was a very in my opinion that was a very not light moment but very like they were happy that they set animals free moment okay wholesome Wholesome. something it was something that they didn't need to do but did it because they were good and because it was nice because they could because they could and we get character development uh for percy and annabeth Mm-hmm. So the scene in, in the truck with the animals. Yeah. Okay. It was it the the development was needed, but the fact that they took the extra time to even though they were on a time sensitive to help the animals free was was good. Yeah. I like that you thought it was a carriage. It's a truck. It's a truck. Uh I well that's that's my brain immediately thought because I don't like thinking of animal cruelty. Mm-hmm. Alright. So uh that's it for uh the <laughs> lightning thief thank you so much for joining us david thank you for having and me and we will catch you next month uh well, we'll probably more realistically we'll see you next week because i think these are going up sh- randomly sh- no these are not random these are every single month for yeah, patrons so david it. we will see you next month <laughs> see you next month is how that's gonna okay <laughs> all right See you next month. Thank you.